Connor relaxed and smiling. Oh, oh no! She slapped him! Like I don't like you because you're dangerous. I don't give a fuck what you say, motherfucker. Yes! He's out! He's he done it! Maverick, we're hit, we're hit again! Damn it, Maverick. I'm on my way. Three, two, one. Be my wingman anytime. This is the Believe in MMA Mavericks podcast, featuring your hosts Mike Straka and Ike Feldman. Welcome to Mavericks, Mike Straka, along with Ike Feldman, as usual. What's up, Ike? I'm doing good, living the average life. You, my friend, are on a boat. What the hell, man? You, you, you're cool without even trying to be cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, we call it Warehood. Waretown, New Jersey. Uh, I'm on a I'm on a boat. My friend Chandler Frazier's got a nice boat. What is it? Thirty feet, thirty-two footer, and uh, we're just chilling out. We got to get Chandler on the podcast one of these days, man. Maybe after maybe after Forrest uh, calls in, we'll we'll uh, we'll get Chandler to call in, and he can uh, he can join the fun. Michael Chandler? No, it's Chandler Frazier. He's a, he's oh. a construction. He owns a construction company down here in Waretown, New Jersey. Okay. So I'm on his boat. We're having a you know. We're, we're self, what do you call it? Self-isolating. <laughs> Quote, we're, unquote, literally. Yeah, we're, we're quarantining. We quarantine on the boat drinking quarantinis. <laughs> Dude, that was the uh, the quota last week. You, uh, no pun intended, you rocked Robin Black's world. That was, a, that was a great quote. You guys got enough alcohol, enough food out there? Do you have to go back to shore once every couple of days? Uh, we have plenty of alcohol. <laughs> Plenty. In fact, I, I just I just texted you a, a picture just now, like a second ago, uh, of a of a Miller Lite that's sitting here, and, and along with an empty shot glass that used to be uh, Jameson. Well, to pull the curtain back, man. This is an early Wednesday afternoon. Is this day drinking? You guys having a good time? Are we uh, recording with Mike uh, Straka on the John Jones type of uh, frequency? We. I'm always on the John Jones frequency. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Oh, but look, thank God but you I, don't get in trouble, man. Well, that's because I don't drive. True, true. Oh, question: a, I, I if, take, Can you I operate your boat like uh, like a little intoxicated? Is like is the bar a little no, lower? No, hell no. We don't we don't take the boat out. It just sits in the water. We uh, we don't take it out ever. Gotcha. It's, it sits in the marina. We don't, definitely don't drive. Uh, you can't you can't definitely can't drive a boat drunk, especially around here. Fucking Coast Guard and the cops, they're all over this this place. Uh, they will bust you. They will bust you. But yeah, they're at this marina. The Coast Guard is right at their, the same marina we are in. So we're not, we, we definitely don't do that. That's craziness. Well, Straka um, and Chandler are playing by the rules, but John Jones, man, I, I got to segue into it before we jump in the forest. Real quick, it comes out, the, he pleads guilty. He's on house arrest, a.k.a. quarantine, what everybody else is doing. And uh, he might have an ankle monitor. He's got to do some community service, fine, and rehab but he gets to carry his marijuana card still well listen i don't know what to say i try not to bust on john jones because he and i you know we're friendly i'm I'm friendly with malky kawa his manager um that that's not to say i can't do my job as a journalist and talk about it um but again i'll reiterate what i said last time like i I hate kicking somebody when they're down right you know i've been down before and uh, you know i've had a lot of help getting back up so I'm, I'm hoping that uh, somebody gets John the help he needs. And it sounds like the court mandated a little bit of rehab for him. Um, hopefully he takes it seriously this time. Uh, again, you know, Marcus Mara last week said, you know, he should go to jail. <laughs> yeah, right? Marcus Mara, I was just going to say, is the most disappointed. Yeah, Marcus, Dr. Guillotine.tv. Uh, nice guy, man. But, man, he's, he's harsh, man. He's, he he's, got some, he's got some harsh words. You know, listen. There, there needs to be some tough love for John Jones. There has right. to be, right. you know what I mean? I, I, I think, I feel like uh, there comes a time when you got to learn your lesson, uh, but he's not, man. He's not learning his lesson. And it, it looked like he got another slap on the wrist. Well, then I pose the question again. We asked the panel last week, Dr. Guillotine and uh, Mad Lab and uh, Dan Caldwell. Excuse me, it wasn't Mad Lab. Dan Caldwell, Philip Nover. Yeah, yep. uh, yeah, dude, uh, awesome episode last week. We all, we all flowed. Um, but you think he fights this year? Does this make it more possible that he fights in the fall? Maybe December? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. I could see it happening. Vegas, the end of the show, that he usually likes to fight on that show. And uh, 
it's it's within this year. I mean, I could see it happening and he's going to win again. We're going to forget about it slightly and he's going to win more and he's going to forget about it. But it's like this is still part of the enabling uh, by Dana White and the UFC. They need he should at least just be a full year where he's has to do a rehab and he's just knows he can't have a fight. He's going to ha- he has to battle this demon. And giving him a fight is, yeah, it's going to keep him on track and put his energies in the right place, as Dan Caldwell say. But it's again, it's feeding the beast. It's not good. Have you heard from Rogan on this on this topic yet? I really haven't seen anything from Joe. Have you? No. I, only thing I heard from Joe, and this is different, obviously. He says he's definitely not going to do UFC 249. Yeah. Well, he's got young kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. You know, I've been uh, I've been hanging out with some friends because my parents are old and I don't want to go around them. So uh, I've been pretty much staying in a in a in a house with uh, two of my guy friends and chilling out. You saw the video when they woke me up with the drum set. Yeah, I was I was telling my wife I go I hope uh, Mike doesn't do anything uh, a little crazy because his roommates maybe are driving him a little nuts and making him a little stir crazy. And uh, I told her about the video and uh, I mean I I don't know if your guy was the best drummer in the world, but he definitely the message was sent. Everybody's cool though back home. Oh yeah, everybody's guys cool. Are- Those guys are great. That was Schaefer <laughs> on the drums. Uh, my boy Stevie Sykes and uh, Dave McIntyre, a couple of guys I hang out with. Uh, in Weartown and uh, you know I live in Barnegat, New Jersey, down by the uh, Long Beach Island. Uh, but I, I spent a lot of time up here on the boat, and, and uh, Stevie lives right around the corner, and so does Schaefer. That's why uh, you saw those videos. And again, like I, I'm, you know, we're we're all self quarantining, but we stay around the same people all the time. Uh, you know, my old man is uh, he's old, so I don't want to go near him. Although he goes to freaking shop right every Saturday, I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> It's oh, here's a, here's a fun one for you. I went to, uh, my dad's sink broke. So he calls me up. He's like, Mikey, I need help. Can you come over and uh, fix the pipe? So I'm like, sure. So we go to fucking Home Depot and they only let 50 people in the store at, at a time. So there's a long ass line outside of Home Depot, right? This is hilarious. Of course, everybody's standing right next to one another on the line. But when you go in, there's tape marks and you got to spit, you got you to gotta stay six feet away from everybody else in the store. No way. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, but outside it's okay to line up like back to back. You know what I mean? It's so funny, man. It, some of this stuff is, is it, it's comical. And I'm not joking about the coronavirus. Obviously it's very serious, but you know, I, I love how they're releasing people from prison. And then they, then they, they uh, on the same hand, and on the other hand, they're threatening you. If you gather 20 people or more, they're going to put you in jail. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was fake news, man. The uh people going out of jail. What what's the strategy behind that? Uh I don't know, man. They they released a lot of people from uh from uh jail in New York City uh just yesterday. Something like four hundred people were released. And I'm not sure. I mean, aren't they quarantining themselves? Aren't they in cells? I'm not sure. I, I don't know, man. I've never yeah. th- thank thank God I've never been to jail. <laughs> Jail would definitely be like the safest place to go right now. You know what? I'm a tough guy. So are you, Ike. But I think I would last. I would last like a fucking ten minutes in jail, dude. One of my best friends growing up went to juvie, and he was like, "He's like, dude, if somebody looks at you, or even if you're looking down the hallway, and somebody's like, yo, what are you looking at?' and points it out, you've got to defend yourself immediately. And I'm like, I maybe I could last a couple days, but I can't hold up the tough guy persona for like ten. 10 days, 14 days. I, I'll like get, I said, I'll get bar, bar fight, I'm fine in a bar fight. I'm, I'm fine on the street, but I don't think I would last in jail, dude. I, dude, I just Speaking I of your fighting not, days, I just found your, because uh, obviously we got time to kill, just found your little sparring session with uh, Ligori and Edgar. Oh, yeah. Dude, that was fun, man. Nice uh, wheel kicks. Oh, my God. Frankie Edgar was busting my chops. He's like, what do you weigh, Struck 185 pounds? I'm like, <laughs> so I go, no, man. I'm like, I, I weigh like 178. He goes, he goes, uh, he grabs a scale. He goes, get on a scale. I go, no way, man. I'm not getting on that scale. Wait, that same day he grabbed the scale. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was a scale right there. He's like, he could prove it. I go, no, never mind. He's like, you, he goes, you're getting fat struck. I'm getting fat. I said, I know, man. But that was that was a couple of years ago. I lost a lot of weight now. So, What year was that? Uh, like two years ago. Maybe three years ago. I don't remember. Shit. You move well. But, and I never you know, read funny. comments. F- oh. Frankie, uh, Frankie took it easy on me, but Ligori fucking, he went hard. 
Yeah, he was chopping that leg oh, like yeah. it was the Redwoods in Cali, man. I was yeah. like, oof. And you could see your face. It's like, dude, if you're a fight, maybe you would like tough it out. But it's like he was pulling the spirit from you. That's no fun. I mean, just tap the leg. He sends the point. Like, I don't know what he was trying to do in that. I could see your face like, dude, it's like you're killing my front leg on these. And I can yeah, only well, imagine if you dude, tagged him with that wheel kick. That would have been bad. No, I would. I got If I hit, that would be my luck. I would clip I would clip Frankie Edgar and injure him and then I, I would never hear the end of it. Are you kidding me? Dude, Dana White would come after you. Oh no, forget about Dana White. Da- Frankie's dad and Frankie's mom would come after me. Like they they are like they're his biggest fucking fans and his biggest protectors, man. I, I you can't watch a fight with with uh, Frankie's dad because Mr. Anise he's he's, a, he's so emotional. Especially when he was fighting Gray Maynard and getting beat up in the first round of those of those two fights, and you can hear uh, Frankie Anise, Mr. Anise, you know, going Frankie, Frankie, Frankie. It's it's funny, but you know, and and Renee, his wife, is always the loudest person in the arena when Frankie's fighting. Dude. But you know, she's never missed a fight, and and Frankie's sister uh, has never missed a wrestling match or a fight in her whole life. How cool is that? Wow. That's that's Jersey strong, man. That's that's New Jersey for you. That's and I was gonna compare it to Long Island, man. How many great quotes has uh is Chris Wyman's father given? He's like, Don't give up on my son, or this is my boy. Like it's those those Long Island, those Jersey fathers, man. It's for yeah. real. They are, they are. I just man. love that that last fight. Uh not not the Chan Yun Sung, or maybe it was. What when when was the fight where uh Frankie's son came in the ring? with him and Frankie lost the fight and, and uh, he was so emotional when uh, his son came in. Uh, I think it might've been the Korean zombie fight. No, he, the kids didn't go to Korea. It was the fight before that. Oh, it was the Brian Ortega fight. Was it the Holloway? It could have been, could have been, I forgot. I forgot which fight it was, but it was emotional. I, I hate seeing Frankie lose, man. But you know, again, I'm as a journalist, I, I, I gotta be so careful not to be so biased because everybody knows I love Frankie. So, I mean, I, I can't help it. You know, he guy he was on my Fox Fight Game show for years. He was my fight analyst. I sounded like a shithead starting a live show on uh, national radio after Chris Wyman got knocked out by Jacare. I was just like, they're like, all right, we're live, and I'm just like, Shh. my co-host Pete Offens looking at me. He's like, he's like, dude, wake it up. I'm like, uh, I'm like, Chris Wyman just got knocked out. I go, give me a minute. And I was saying this on the air because it's like we live and die with these fighters. Yep. And he is a fighter we've lived and died with for the past 15, 17, 18 years, Mr. Forrest Griffin, who just joined us. What's happening, man? How you guys doing? Where you guys at? Mike's on a boat. I think he's filming a porno. I'm uh I'm in the <laughs> woods. <laughs> We're doing good though, brother. I'm in I'm on a boat in uh I'm on Barnegat Bay in Waretown, New Jersey, Forrest. That's uh I'm sure you're where you you know where Waretown, New Jersey is. Oh yeah, yeah, big yeah, but yeah. You know, why a boat? You know what? My my buddy has this thirty two foot boat, and we we just hang here. You know, we're 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 self quarantining. You know what I mean? Drinking we quarantinis. We're, we're, yeah, we're drinking quarantinis <laughs> on the boat. Yeah. Uh, are you? Are, you're in Vegas still? Oh yeah. I'm nice. Just in Vegas. I'm a little down because the governor said, and it's probably the right thing. You said we're not going back to work till April 30th. It was April 16th. So, man, I'm, you know, I'm just ready to get back to work, man. I'm ready to, you know, ready to see some fights, help some fights happen. Yeah. Getting crazy. You are one of the most cerebral, cool, down to earth guys and fighters. Uh, what advice could you give to us average folk and to your fellow fighters to like maybe kill some time during this, uh, whatever, you know, however long this is going to be? So I was just having a discussion with my wife. You know, we, we, we've kept our daughter, only child daughter. We've kept her away from her friends, you know, um, because really when you interact and you tell kids to stay six feet from each other, how well does that work, right? Right. So we do a little bike riding, but even then they want to stop and we're talking and climbing the same tree. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. So I, I look at this, my daughter's eight. So for me and my wife, this is probably the last time the three of us can go for a hike or go just the three of us. And our daughter and I totally hate the fact that she's with her parents. So try to get as much of that as we can, right? This would be, you know, there, there'll come a time shortly when she just doesn't want to be around us. So we have to kind of 
bank this time for later, right? So that that's that's my biggest thought going into it after you know yesterday. Um, and the other thing is too, you know, it, it's a choice, right? It's a choice that I didn't make today. I hadn't worked out today. I hadn't gotten a lot done today. But you, am I going to be productive? You know, am I going to use this time to read, etc.? Um, am I going to start putting walls in my house? Yes, I am. This open floor plan was a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> we just have like one big room downstairs and it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I can hear you. I see it's great, you know? <laughs> well, we were talking to uh, Liam Kerrigan. He's a, a former uh, fighter and he owns a, an MMA gym in, in New Jersey. Oh, and, he, and he can't, you know, he can't, he's closed, obviously, he closed shop, and he, he can't train. You as a fighter and a former fighter, you, you obviously you train every day. Uh, you must miss I it, right? I don't, I train like twice a week, man. Oh, okay. I try, yeah, I try to do one MMA practice a week with my buddy John over at Syndicate, just to kind of, you know, see what the cool kids are doing these days. And then John, I'll, I'll, John Wood? Yeah. Yeah, I like John, he's a great guy. I'll hit mitts or do some bag work one other day a week, but you know I do like nonsensical old man fitness stuff, man. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, better late to take care of yourself than never. Maybe I don't know. How many yeah, abs? How many abs are we down to, Force? Used to have, I think, like the twelve pack. What are yeah, we down to? No. Oh, it's it's. I'm fat. <laughs> you know what? Man, a lot of it was in these last two weeks. And it's just from, I think, not moving around that much, you know? I don't know, but I've definitely gotten fatter. And the fridge, the fridge, you know, I think Dustin Poirier tweeted the other day that the snacks are calling me. And I was like, they're calling me, and I'm answering. <laughs> yeah, Darren Till posted something, like, with five guys, a bunch of desserts. What are you uh, walking around with pre-quarantine and current quarantine? <laughs> yeah, because unfortunately, the weight's the same. It's just changing, you know? It's just... Uh, <laughs> it's going to different places. <laughs> yeah. I'm walking, bro. I'm walking. Don't make fun of us East Coasters. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> So what's what's happening? I mean, what's the word? Is this uh, is there going to be a fight here April sixteenth? Is that is that uh, or no April eighteenth? Is that is that happening? What's the deal? What are you guys here? I mean, trust in Dana White, right? He's best buds with uh, with uh, Donald Trump, and Dana White's got that un that relentless will to get things done and that business mind. I mean, I I. I think it's at least a 25% he pulls off uh, Ferguson, Gaethje, Ferguson, Khabib, something like that. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. I, I agree 100%. I mean, it, it's got to happen. You know, there's no other freaking sports out there right now. Yeah. But far as I'm curious. Uh, you could also be able to bet on whether the fight actually happens, too. You bet on the winner and bet the odds, but then bet, like, you know, I'm sure Vegas is on top of that. They're probably like a betting line for, well, you know, the event formerly known as 249 still come to fruition. There's, there's a betting line on that somewhere. Of course there is. There's got, there's a bet. Yeah, you can bet on everything these days anyway. You can even bet on a spelling bee. Wait, wait, somebody bet on like, what was it, like a some table tennis tournament? With like a $1,000 grand prize. Somebody bet 10 grand on that. <laughs> I don't know. It was in the news the other day. It was pretty funny. Time out. Mike and Ike are going to tell you about a little place called betonline.ag. Hey, Ike, how are you holding up in a coronavirus crisis? I'm doing good, Mike. I'm keeping my social distance, and I haven't fully pissed off my wife, so everything's going well. But pissing her off is inevitable. You can still have some fun betting at betonline.ag. No NBA, no NHL, no MLB. No freaking problem. Bet Online has you covered with hundreds of places to wager. They got their online casino, blackjack, and my favorite, poker, baby. You know, and sports aren't totally done, Ike. There's still mixed martial arts, American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and they have a $750,000 poker series. Wow. You can count me in. There's still a lot of fun to be had, so go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. And one more time. That's betonline.ag. Use promo code MYPOD100. Betonline.ag, the fun never ends. No, it don't. 
This is the Believe in MMA Mavericks podcast. So, Forrest, I mean, I don't want to get too much into uh, John Jones, but uh, obviously you yeah. know the guy. You know yeah. the guy. Um, you know, how, you must be feeling – you must have some kind of uh, opinion about what's going on right now. So, man, I mean, it sucks, man. It really sucks. And, and the thing is, is, he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's a man now, you know. Um, he's a grown-up. Um, you know, he's in his 30s, mid-30s now almost. But I, I've always liked him, you know. I've known him. I've known him to be – He's always been cool to me. Um, I do realize that, that I have a tendency to um, – I think I'm a bad influence on him because all my John Jones stories that aren't training-related, and that's just when he was out here coaching the show, are basically like, yeah, man, we had a couple drinks. Yeah, but, we had... <laughs> but, but, you know, I go out and I have a couple drinks. By midnight, I'm, I can't get – you know, 11.30, I'm, I'm looking for, like I'm, – I'm on the Uber, like – Irish goodbye, I'm out, you know, I'm just tired already, right? Um, some guys go out, you know, like, hey, this is, this is six drinks is a good time. Ten drinks must be a great time. Um, you know, you know. I used to have I used to have those those uh those days with uh Sean Tompkins. Sean Tompkins oh. and I used, we used to go party all freaking night. One night we were out with Sammy Stout and uh and Sean and uh Chris Hordecki. And we were at one of the one of the casinos after a fight, and we just started punching each other in the face. So we got like forty security guards came by and they surrounded yeah. us. Like they're like, "You guys got to leave." And we're like, "And we're like, why? We're friends. We're all friends." And they're like, "No, yeah. you're beating the shit out of each other." Yeah, we like each other. We like each other. <laughs> the guy, the cop goes. The security guy goes. Do you want to see the videotape? You guys are beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, and yeah, Mike Constantino is the same way. You, you hang out with Mike Constantino for a while, and if you're drinking, he'll start leg kicking you. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's. Uh, I, I think I've outgrown that because I don't want to be kicked back anymore. You know. Yeah, I do know. I had a leg kicking competition with Dan Mergliata. I didn't win. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, he's a Jersey guy. I love that guy. Actually. Yeah, he's yeah. a he's he's a tough. He's a he's a Muay Thai fighter. He he teaches Muay Thai as well, and uh, but, he's a tough guy, man. I, I like Dan. Um, not sure, you know. Again, I don't want to talk out of school, but you know, he got a little criticism a couple weeks ago uh, when he was refing a fight. Uh, Ike, you want to you want to elaborate on that one? No. Okay. <laughs> well, fight. It was the uh, the Ben Rothwell. So yes, I am going to elaborate. I guess, damn it, uh, Ben Rothwell, Stephen Struve. It was the Rosen. Was it the groin strikes? Right, and then he finished them right after the groin yeah. strikes. So it was pretty questionable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the groin strikes were unintentional, right? And and then Steph, you know, it was a tough situation, right? I have ref fights. It's hard. You know, Stefan said, "Hey, all right, I'm ready to fight." Ben was obviously not trying to hit him in the groin. Um, did he? Did he take the point? Uh, I think the second time. I think. The uh, yeah, time. the second time you take the point. I think you took the point, but then the fight ended, and the way the fight ended, and everybody was like, "Oh, come on, hey man, look." The first time GSP beat, uh, or when when GSP beat Matt Hughes, he set that head kick up with a groin kick. People forget that. Ooh, that was a, dude, Hawani's gonna kill you. <laughs> Why? That's his boy, the Canadian connection. <laughs> I mean, outside of maybe Jones, he's probably the best to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. ESP. I mean, I put him above Anderson, even. Right? I do too. I would too. I, I agree, hundred percent. I gotta go. But, I gotta go. Reign of dominance. Reign of dominance. I gotta go. Anderson. You want to know what I think though? Far I, I we'll talk about John Jones and and you know, he's a great fighter. He is, but I hate that knee kick he does. I hate it. I, I think I think I, it should be illegal. I hate it too. I, you know, yeah. I, I don't love it. Yeah, I hate it. The world we're in, it's only going to change when somebody blows out their knee on live television. I don't. I don't know, man. I. I, I, I think. Wait, wait, hold on. That's kind of the point of the sport. I'm trying to destroy your weapons before you destroy mine. You know, that's the way Boss Rutten kind of explained it to me. Is I'm trying to break things so you can't use them against me. The other argument to that would be, what's worse, getting your knee popped or getting you know trauma to the brain? Well, they asked the same thing to NFL football players. They said they rather deal with the concussion than getting like yep. somebody diving at their uh, knees. Yep. That was actually uh, what's his name, the one, 
the one uh, tight end said that. Yep, yep, Gronk. Who? The uh, 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 was Rob Gronkowski. Gronkowski, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I was but, talking. But let me tell you something about that. The knee is because it's acute. Right then, it's done. Your brain, it, right then, you're like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then, you know, four years later, after doing it five, six, 10, 20, 30 times, you're not fine anymore. So that's always going to be, it's like, do I want $5 now or do I want $10 later? It's, it's the opposite of that, right? Well, I take a little bit of pain now or worse pain later. Well, I'd rather like, you know, so. Well, it, you know, it, I, I don't know. Did Do you like watching football anymore? Because... I watched a little football, not much. I'm not educated on it anymore. I was talking to Chris Collinsworth. He used to be a – he, he used to be – go ahead. No, I'm sorry. For me, it ended when the Falcons lost that Super Bowl. So, okay, that's when I was like, <laughs> I'm off with football for sure. I'm out. Yeah, that was that was the end. I was talking to Chris Collinsworth. He used to be a wide receiver, and he said he's uh, he's a broadcaster, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a broadcaster now. He's got that stoic voice. Oh yeah, he's great. But he he said he's never been more frightened than when he's running across the field, like fully stretched out for a football to catch a football, knowing there's a guy coming at him at 90 miles an hour with his fucking helmet. He said that's the scariest place to be when you're you're stretched out trying to catch the ball. And he said, "Good quarterbacks would try to, you know, keep you keep the ball low enough where you don't yeah. you know, get get killed." But man, oh, I also caught a football from Dan Marino, and he wasn't even throwing hard. He almost put a fucking hole in my chest. Uh, and I, I heard I, the same thing about John Elway, right? The Elway cross. Oh I my god! If the leg hit you, they'll like rip your skin open. Yeah. You know, and we're also critical watching football games. Like, how do you how do you miss that? I'm like, dude, he almost broke my freaking broke my chest with a football and he wasn't even throwing it hard i played football i played football not too long ago flag football game and you know granted it's been 25 years probably since i tried this uh 20 you know over 20 years and and i was just like oh my god i'm wait i'm running full speed meant to catch a football that's slightly behind me and i have to stop and adjust how do, how do humans even do this? I was just so blown away. Like, this when you're at high school, it, it doesn't seem that hard. And then, like, as you get older, you're like, this is not possible. Humans can't do this. <laughs> and trust me, running full speed for me is like 15 miles an hour. These guys are running 20. That's not bad. So it's right, like a maybe, seven speed on a treadmill. I, I might be wrong on that. It might, <laughs> I'm, I might be over-exaggerating. We might be like 10 miles an hour. I don't even know. <laughs> dude that's why we love you man your modesty yeah. and your humbleness and then you you laid it all out there on, on your fights your fights are like the most memorable like they put the ufc on a different level man i just i just remembered you were on the ufc when i googled you you were on the ufc video game man you were the first ufc cover athlete i i don't i don't know if it was the first game but you were of the I new generation the yeah yeah i was it was yeah it was it was you know, right place at the right time, man. You know, it's funny. I, I get so much accolades. That damn modesty, so brother. Accolades <laughs> for being tough. And I was pretty tough. I mean, there's definitely some things I wish I could have done again. And, you know, the times when you I didn't look tough, there was a, a lot more going on behind the scenes. But guys today really impressed me. And I think it's just because there's so many of them. But, I mean, think about it. Like a Poirier... Uh, you know, here's a guy, he got knocked out a couple of times. Yeah. And here he is fighting yeah. a weight up, whooping butt, you know. And, and then, you know, um, uh, what's his name too? Gaethje, you know. So the, the difference for me is, honestly, it is easy to fight like that until you've been dropped. Until you have a day that you just don't remember and you have to watch it on film. That's when it's like, that's when the measure of the kind of person you are comes out. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm being... Uh, once once that's happened, you lose that sense of invulnerability. It's show me how tough you are after you've been knocked out, after you've you've been embarrassed in front of a million people, you know? And the people that can come back from that, the Frank Yeggers of the world, the Michael Bisbings of the world, yeah. you know, I'm just like, wow. I, I don't think – and it's like me trying to play football with a bunch of middle-aged men. That's that's the kind of thing fans don't get. It's like that is that is – you can't imagine the what that is on your ego, right? So they had like 60% of people have a fear of public speaking, you know, and like next is a fear of sharks. Well, think about a fear of being half naked 
in front of a cage. So you got that performance anxiety, just like you have with public speaking. And then you got another human being trying to do damage to you. So physical damage, another great source of fear. And then you have the added fear of every potential mate and partner that you will ever have. And every human being that you know that, that you hated in high school is going to see you potentially be embarrassed. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on that can go wrong for you. And when that happens and you show me, hey, you know what? It happened. I'm back. That's what really impressed me about fighters today. You know, I agree 100 percent. Eddie Alvarez is another guy that comes to mind. Yeah. And, you know, I, Matt Sarah once told me he's like, Mike, if I have a bad day in the office, everybody knows. He goes, you can have a bad day in the office and you go home and you, you kick the dog. He goes, I have a bad day in the office. I get knocked out on national television. He goes, I go, I go to 7-Eleven to buy coffee and the guy behind the counter is telling me what I did wrong during the fight. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and me and Mike aren't fighting for a living, man. You're, you're actually in a beautiful position working at the UFC PI. And I heard you on the Rogan podcast not too long ago. And it was just awesome to hear you guys open up and kind of just discuss what goes on at the UFCPI. I can't wait to go there and check out the facility. Um, but do you kind of find yourself in kind of like a bigger brother or kind of an uncle to some of the younger fighters that kind of carry that air of invincibility? Uh, some, you know, I, I, you know, I help with the people that want my help. And then, you know, the thing I like about the Performance Institute is we get a lot of the hard luck cases, right? So we get a lot of people I didn't make weight or I made weight, but I felt horrible. Um, you know what? I got pushed around. I got bullied in my last fight or I just flat out gassed. So we come with the people that need course corrections. You know, I'm sorry. The people that need course corrections come to us. So, and that, that's what I like. You know, you come in, you, you, you come off that break. I was just talking about, Hey, you know what? Let's fix, let's fix it. Let's fix it physiologically. Let's fix it mentally. And, you know, if you fix something physiologically, you'll have the confidence going into that fight. Hey, look, that was a problem before, but it's fixed now. I can handle this, you know? And so you get, you get those people, um, you know, you get the tough luck cases, but, but that's, that's what the PI is here for, right? Is that what, is that what makes you smile nowadays? Like if somebody maybe texts you after a fight, be like, dude, thanks for this or thanks for that. Certainly. Yeah, certainly. Forrest, we, you, um, when, when you talk about training and, and, and the Performance Institute, uh, do you get guys in there? What, what are your thoughts about a super camp versus like, all right, so you, you got Albuquerque, you got, you got Winkle John and, and Greg Jackson, and you got a huge super camp, right? But then here in, here in Jersey, Frankie Edgar, he goes from one place to another. So he's like, he's got four different places he runs to every day. He, it's not really a super camp in his, in his world. He's got to go one place for boxing, one place for jujitsu. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, do you think super camps are the way to go? So there's, there's, you know, it, it, again, I'm going to give you a crappy answer here. It depends. It depends on you. So Frankie Edgar, everywhere he goes, Frankie Edgar is the priority. So when I was in Athens, Georgia, Forrest Griffin was the priority. The practices were set up around Forrest Griffin. Now you go to Albuquerque and, you know, you're, you're working with these people if you're not that tier A star that those people are counting on, that they've, you know, they're people that they've had for a long time, the practice is not going to be set up around you as much. You're not going to get as much extra time, right? So you might actually get better coaching, but it won't be specific to you. Whereas, you know, I talk to a lot of these guys down in Florida at their own camps and they're like, guess what? If I'm not feeling good, this is what we do for practice. The practices are tailored for me. So you really have to decide what you want. And the other thing I've seen as athletes get older, they pull out of the super camp a little bit because when you're young, maybe you need, you need the super camp, you know, the ATT mat. You need to go through that ATT mat and get rolled up by those people, you know? That's good for you. But as you get older, you get a little wiser and you, you pull out and you say, you know what, I'm going to have this guy and this guy meet me here at ATT at two before their actual team practice. And I'm just going to get my work. You know, I'm going, to, I'm going to pull that out instead of, you know, working in the gen pop classes or even the fighter classes. I'm going to make this specific to my needs. Like, so as you get older, and that's the way I ended my career. I was working out at Extreme Couture and at Syndicate, but I was paying a couple of people to come in and do my specific practice for the body types I needed for the work I wanted, right? 
so that you can really, and, and this is something I try to help fighters with, where are you in your progressive career? Um, you know, a lot of times you see guys, they leave their home base, they go, they either get better or they don't, right? And then they go back and that's fine. That, that's part of the journey, right? Hey, let me go try a super camp out. Maybe it's great for me, maybe it's not. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe it costs you a fight, but that's- I remember- I specifically um remember roger huerta yes i remember he switched camps and then he just he was never the same fighter again never the same fighter again and i don't know if he if he got smarter or if if he lost a step i'm not sure you know how to how to characterize you're a fighter i'm not but i know when he switched camps he came back and he just wasn't the same guy uh because he was i think he relearned some things and he wasn't the guy out there slugging away like he used to be and uh, his career never really came back from that. Now, I think, too, maybe he went to that camp and tried to learn some things because his chin wasn't holding up. Because, because yeah. the way he fought physiologically, he wasn't able to fight that way anymore, right? You just, as you get older, you're going to lose a little bit of your conditioning, right? Especially if it's a natural gift like Roger Pat. And you're going to lose a little bit of your chin. These things happen. Then do you become more strategic, like maybe a John Jones, right? Doesn't get hit a ton. Got I got outboxed a little bit in the beginning with uh, Dominic Reyes, but he's still got a great chin. Um, you know, you've only ever seen John really hurt once, but now he fights smart, right? He's touching guys. He's fighting at distance. Maybe it's not always the most fun thing to watch, but he's winning the fight, taking very minimal damage in a way he knows he can win that fight, right? So if you just get in there in the pocket like Roger Wertz used to, hey, there's always a chance you get caught, you know? Another guy, even even if they're not a power puncher, they throw something up, they throw a wild knee, you run into it, game over. Uh, why not fight at a distance? If you got reach, pace, you know, use your movement like a Dominic Cruz type thing. Uh, you know, there's, there's different ways to go about fighting. And then I think what you have to realize is they change it in your career. I think the best case of a guy that I would say was a little, uh, well, you know, over him, was getting knocked out a bunch, right? Yeah. I maybe personally thought uh, he might be done. What did he do? He changed his game, man. He changed his game at like 36. True. And he became, instead of the charge in, clinch you knee to the body uh, striker, he became the tactical, more cerebral, you know, move, 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 wait, boom, catch you. And what he realized basically is, hey, you know what? If I get in those slugfests, if I charge in and try to knee people in the body, I'll win some, but there's also a chance that those guys knock me out. If I hang back, he's realized that he is quicker to the punch, has better reaction time than most heavyweights. And that's what he does. That's exactly what he did to Dos Santos, right? Um, and, 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 you know, the fight he lost was actually, I, I have some questions about that refereeing as well. Because that was, he was, that was big Dan as well. Feet. Yeah, he was actually on his feet. I, I, I knew it was. He was on his feet when the fight ended. Ah, uh, wait, wait. I, I think he was kind of like eld, like an eld. No, 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 wait, no, seriously? No, no. I'm trying to remember now. At the end of the clock. Dan never stepped in. Rosenstroop did the old, uh, remember when uh, 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 Sean Shirk got stopped by BJ Penn? BJ Penn just decided the fight was over and he won. The Sean Shirk had enough. And the referee kind of was like, okay. Stop. Shirk was on the fence, though, getting his butt whipped. Um, but, but uh, yeah, you know, I if you watch that back, it, it's so late in the fight, you know, they take the clock off the last 10 seconds just because sometimes if there's a second difference or two, maybe, between what's actually on the clock and what's yeah. on TV. Do you know what I'm saying? The timekeeper's actual clock and the TV clock, sometimes there's a second difference. That's why they faded away, right? So that's why they take the 10 seconds out. They remove a clock in 10 seconds. But, you know, so I clocked it to 10, and I think he was on his feet by then. I was just surprised because watching that fight, I was like, wait, no. I mean, it was an 8-10 round, the last round, but I think Overham still won that, you know? So, um, but I'll tell you what else. He was he was shook yeah. enough to where he didn't argue. Anyway, as an interesting well, to look back at that. Dude, you, you, um, you, you bring up um, talking about uh, if, like, uh, the tally is – dinged when you get that that punch and how a fighter comes back from that and it's a realization for a fighter but you almost want 
finality in a fight just like me just like me i'm, I'm a gamer and, and i want i want the finality the signers uh the fighters sign up for it uh you kind of is that the ex-gladiator speaking or is this the the current uh maybe the the guy who's trying to evolve the sport and teach the younger generation where do you fall on uh fighter safety and maybe yeah, they know what they're think, signing up for well i mean that's where you hear me leaning obviously right so here's the deal on fighter safety referees make bad calls they stop fights early but what's worse you stop a fight early that fighter is saved from more more damage and they go into their next fight that was bs that stoppage was bad i was okay i could have come back they go into it very mentally strong. If you let that fight drag on, gotcha. maybe they come back, maybe they don't. But when they're finished, finished, there's no way they can, you know, trick themselves like they used to talk about, you know, uh, cornerbacks need fast feet and a short memory, right? They, it, it sticks with them, right? I'd That's the perfect have... example was Aspen Ladd, Jermaine Durandamy. It was a little early. Yeah. And then yeah. Yana Kuniskaya, and... she finished early. Yeah. Wait, I mean, oh, yeah. uh, when uh, yeah. Aspen Ladd, when there was a little controversy with the stoppage, then she came back in her next match exactly like you're saying, pumped up, fired up, and yeah. she got she got the stoppage win. So uh, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I remember during Durandamy fight, it, it was like uh, you're almost thinking oh, I should let her as a fan. You're thinking yeah. oh, I should let her. We should let her yep. catch one or two more. Yep. But then you know the other side is like. And maybe maybe she throws two or three more. Aspen recovers. Aspen goes to guard. She's able and she comes back, takes her down, and is able to grind her out and tap her in the third or fourth. Right? Um, you know, maybe. But is it worth the risk? To me, no. To me, no. I mean, again, where I'm at, you know, athlete self and health and safety at this point in my life, as a guy that's been through it, I say, eh, you get him on the next one, man. It's Ars, not, you're, it's uh, you're, you're one of the only you're you know? one of the only fighters to be a, also a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, I think t I think twice you were right. Yeah, yeah two true? of his books were, were New York Times bestsellers. Like, uh, yeah. I, yeah. wow. But I wrote I wrote about half each of them, so I still think the video game cover. Well, no, I cooler. think New York Times bestselling author is yeah. cooler, Ike. <laughs> Well, you're on a boat drinking quarantinis. <laughs> That's true too. Um, but, but Forrest, real quick before we let you go, uh, any, any more books in your future? I and mean, what's going on with you now? No, you know, man, I really should have. Uh, so in my be ready when the shit goes down, there is a section on the viral apocalypse. So I know I remember that. I was actually reading that and I was like, you're a smart guy Forrest. Like, you're a smart guy. <laughs> Eric Krauss, your co-author, was a smart guy to make me do that and, and, and to fill it. He actually fills it in with a, a lot of stuff about viruses and cures and intelligent stuff about the size of viruses and whatnot. Um, you know, it's, it's actually pretty good. Um, no, I wish I want to write an addendum still to the second book. So here's the deal. I wrote God Fight. Dude, what, what the hell does addendum mean? Now you're insulting me. No, so I wrote the first book. Um, I didn't finish it. It was 50 rule. I only had 38 rules in there. It was 50 laws. I only had 38. <laughs> um, and, but but what, like, they're serious. Like, the deadline was the deadline. And that was it. The, they just took the book, what we had, and they published it. And yeah, I, that was Simon & Schuster, right? No, no. It was HarperCollins. HarperCollins, right, right. Uh, yeah, but whatever. They'll all be out of business, surely. Who knows? <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's no, so true. Who knows? <laughs> no, you're right, man. People but, uh, always ask me. People so always ask me. To that's why there was a second book. It's just because I had the stuff that I didn't finish in the first book. Oh, more rules. The same, the same thing happened on the second book. I was like so into, I have to write the perfect thing about zombies. It has to be different than everybody else. It has to be this, that, the other. I just never wrote it. I put, so, you know, I wanted to make it so good that I just never like, you know, I never brought it out of the early stages of just some random notes. And uh, so I always wanted to write the zombie apocalypse, which was going to be the close of that book. And I just never, I put too much pressure on myself. I just never got. Did you ever, did you ever see royalties? Because all my books I got, I got advances for, and I never saw a dime after that. That's the smartest <laughs> thing. That's the smartest thing. Yeah. Look, 
you're you did not bet on your own success contractually. I, I, um, <laughs> well, if you never got royalties, that means your contract was set up in such a way that you never, they never made the initial money they out what laid you back. So I did set exactly royalties eventually, and every now and again, a check for 16 bucks shows up, and I happily cash it, man. Yeah, yeah. that's some gas. I still get royalties on from uh, on occasion. I actually got a check for eleven dollars from Analyze This, this film that I was in, uh, and um, never heard of it. And and I, and I got a letter from the child support office saying, "Are you are you working for Water Brothers?" I'm like, "No, I'm not working for Water Brothers." What the hell are you talking about? So funny, man. So like, so one movie I did fifteen years ago. I almost wish they would just stop sending me money because we shot it in California. And if you get like $40 from the state of California, you have to fill California taxes, which oh, costs geez. more to take to my CPA to get them to fill that portion out that I've even made. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, they got $23. And now I have to get this guy to fill out this thing. It's going to cost me $80. <laughs> It's costing you money to be in the movie. Well, you know, you, you talk about extreme couture. I, I see Jay Huron in a lot of films these days. It, it, Good for him. He works his, yeah, he works a lot. Uh, he's a stud, too. I mean, he, you know him. He's, he's just good people through and through, man. And uh, I got to catch up with him not too long ago. And, it was, you know, always great to see that guy. Great to see he's doing well. You know, the, the, the post-fight life or career of an athlete, any athlete, it's scary times, right? No matter how much money you make or what sport it is, your first passion is gone. You can't do it anymore. Somebody's told you definitively, hey, you can't do this, or it could have been yourself, your coaches, your team. Um, you're just not good enough anymore, right? So you, your dream job has uh, come to a close. How do you go about finding your next great passion without, you know, without letting that really – break you a little bit inside you know what i'm saying and you know pe people people also don't understand that money doesn't last it doesn't matter if you made a million dollars or two million dollars in during your career it's gone man people don't understand it they're like oh he he must be doing well he, he or he made enough money no you never make enough money because you're always spending that money well you just move yourself into a different category you know so it's different money problems right now it's you know my whole foods bell or you know, I bought a car, you know, some people waste the money, but you know, again, you buy an $8,000 car, the upkeep on it's going to cost you a lot. The insurance on it's going to cost you a lot. The tax tag and title costs you a lot. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, they're getting you did, left and right. Did you have this wherewithal during your career, man? Obviously we know you're, you were a gladiator in the cage, but like I said earlier, man, you're one of the most cerebral fighters. And I think that shines through more, even seeing your, your post-career flourish, were you, were, were you always this like in tune about your surroundings and like you said, like investments and shit like yeah, that? I was, and you know, I lost a bit of money in the stock markets and you know, I bought properties at a bad time. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm financially fine. The thing is like, I'll always work. I'll always do something. So I'll always have some income coming in. And I live low, man. I don't buy expensive things. You know, I drove that Scion I won for like 13 years. And now my father-in-law still drives it. It's still no. <laughs> I, I got the, the Range Rover for doing the Ultimate Fighter, I think, yeah. in 2008. My wife still drives that bad boy. And do you know what the tax and tag is? It's like $300 total. Nice. You know? it, it's a cheap car. So it's, it, you know. Does this come from your uh, your father, your parents, like a friend, you're the community you grew up in, a, a certain coach? Like, where does this, like, dude, this, like, Miyagi, you're like the white Miyagi. You're very... It's just fear, man, a healthy sense of fear. Gotcha. You know, I, I meet a lot of people, like I was talking to uh, Tyron Woodley, and I love that guy, um, but, but he didn't grow up with any money, and for him, it, it's like, it, it almost isn't the value of money. It's things you want, it's... You know, he explained it a lot more eloquently than I can. But for me, it was just the opposite. You know, I didn't grow up with money. I've been poor several times in my life. It's good to be poor when you're young. It really is. But I cannot go back to being poor now. <laughs> Do you understand? Yeah. Like, so I can't, I can't make those impulse buys. Like, I, I saw this home gym I wanted to get. You know, it's like, 
3200 bucks. So I was like, I really want that home gym. I really want that home gym. Like, Forrest, jerk, you work at it. In the PI. <laughs> Get up an hour early. <laughs> work at home, you know? My wife, yeah, you're, you know, she, you're, you're, you buy a wife six or seven dumbbells. She'll be all right. You know, I was thinking, I don't know. So, you know, I can buy the gym. Obviously, now I'm like, maybe I should have bought that gym. I didn't know I was going to be locked away from my work for six weeks, you know. Jeez. But, you know, you reminds me uh frank mirror told me he he was in a yoga class with his wife and he said he had all these little nicks and and injuries and all these nagging little injuries and he said he couldn't even do a downward dog and he's like i'm in a i'm in a room full of soccer moms and they're like running circles around me and i'm a world champion fighter oh yeah he's like i so he took i had to take a whole year off he said just just to heal up yeah he's another impressive one you know he he destroyed that leg and he just switched his stance, you know, in his thirties as well. He was like, you know what? I'm, I can't fight the way I used to fight. I'm just going to switch and do this. But, but yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the game, right? With, uh, with the PI, who's like the crit, forget about the cerebral, the intellectual, the mental <laughs> aspect of the game, dude, who's the like physical freak that you've seen walking the doors? <laughs> Francis well, Ngato, yeah. and then who's the one a, this is the, yeah, Francis, obviously. So this is the thing I'll tell you. Everything is confidential. So what I see stays in those walls. All right. So the tests are only you. Here's what I will say. And I will only say this because I didn't witness it. <laughs> Dom Dominic Reyes told me <laughs> and his coach is vouched for it. Dominic Reyes is an athlete. So just from like a testing physiological standpoint, to, to me, Dominic Reyes, you know, he doesn't look like that much, right? He's a long, he's a tall, skinny kid, right? Yep. But he he's a physical specimen, and you know, hence they're playing college football and everything. He's a specimen. You know, yeah, a lot of people come through. What what I like a lot is when the people come through and they're not real good at these tests. They're not super athletic, but they can fight. <laughs> yeah. You can you name know? names, man. You can name names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, I I don't, I don't want to know, you know, that's, unless they personally tell me, then, then it's not my business, right? Yeah. Well, Forrest, uh, just, uh, Ike and I have this uh, ongoing discussion. I think Daniel Cormier is better at, as a heavyweight than he was as a light heavyweight. Uh, do you agree or disagree? I absolutely agree with you. Harken back to strike force, the whole yep. thing. Yep. No, no, the ongoing was debate, like who wins at heavy, uh, heavyweight, Jones or Cormier? I think Cormier does. So the, if they were to fight a third time, I would want it at heavyweight. I don't need to see it at 205 again. I want exactly. to fight at heavyweight. Can you give a prediction? Well, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I don't make predictions. I, I can lay out, you know, facts. Like, John Jones's reach is not going to be changed. That's right. Um, that's that's He's got a heavyweight reach easily, right? So that's yeah, yeah, not going to matter. Yeah, um, I think he has the longest that, reach I, in the UFC. Like, I, I do think, however, I do think, however, John Jones – he he not only loses at heavyweight to Daniel Cormier, but he loses to a lot of people at heavyweight because I think he loses that reach advantage at heavyweight. Yeah. And, and, and I think also think there's better boxers in the heavyweight division, you know, Miocic and Junior Dos Santos. I mean, some guys, I, I think they're better boxers in the heavyweight division than the light heavyweight division. I think Overeem, I know they've trained together, but I think Overeem would give Jones problem at heavyweight. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There's yeah, a I agree. You know, um, you know, I, I thought that um, if what's his name ever could have, who, who's the kid? He's kind of semi-retired now. Gustafsson. Yeah. Um, well, I met him and worked out with him. He was like 238. Damn. And I was like, oh my God, this kid is a beast. And he's just farmer strong, just like, just dumb strong, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> all day or something you know like uh again not not like the show pony muscle but the like i do manual labor all day every day type muscle and you're like oh geez this kid's a problem and uh he comes I from he viking was, blood yeah must must be <laughs> i do whatever he's got in him i don't have the same stuff running through my veins uh well, well before we let before we let you go for i mean i i my next door neighbor is a plumber and he's older. He's, he's like 65 or 67 years old. Yep. And he asked me to help him. So I went out and I went to help him and I couldn't budge this fucking, this one piece of pipe. Dude. I couldn't budge it. 
and I was, I was like literally hanging on the fucking thing, my whole body. He just walks up and just grabs the fucking wrench and goes, Whip! just like you said, super strong, you know, like working all day long type strength. And I was like, how the hell did you do that? He goes, I've been doing it for 45 years. Yeah. That's how I did. They don't make them like they used to. <laughs> they don't make them. I, I, I thought to myself, make, note to self, never get punched by this guy. <laughs> yeah. I've met those guys too. Trust me. I've, I've had them out of my house. I had a, you know, 60 something year old guys helping me set up my thing. And I'm like, oh, my knee hurts. It's laying in rocks. And I look at the 60 year old guy and his knees in rocks too. He ain't complaining. Yep. Dude, yep. That's my father. He's a, he's Israeli. He used to be in the Israeli military. His knees are made out of granite. Like he could go on the factory floors, fix a wire, flip over. He's got the lunchbox hands. Never trained a day in his life. Yep. <laughs> All right, Forrest. Uh, we'll let you guys, go. Yep. Thanks, thanks so Wait, much for coming can I on. Squeeze man. in one more, it. Mikey. Yeah, go ahead, man. Of course. Uh, 2006. One of the greatest fights of all time, like I said earlier, man. You are definitely in the top 10 UFC superstars. I tried to list it off in my head last night. The McGregors, the Lesners, the Rouseys, the Rampage, Liddell, your boy, Tito Ortiz. Dude, you are in the top 10 of UFC superstars of all time. That's not only because you were a UFC champion, but because of the 2006 fight against Stefan Bonner. We're almost 15 years from that fight. Yeah. Can you tell us uh, how, when you look back on it, how does that fight look to you not to be a jerk but it was april 9th 2005 but hey who? <laughs> oh, we are 15 years <laughs> uh no nah, i mean you know again i'm crossing <laughs> off my notes right now i had 2006 written all <laughs> it was um you know it, it was being in the right place at the right time and and that's truly what a lot of my career has been you know the video game the this the that you know i was kind of there and, and I definitely wasn't the best even in my, in my own little time by any stretch, but I was there like when the sport made that big transformation. Yep. And that, that first mainstream, then Rhonda and Connor put it over the top, but I was there in the Randy and the Chuck, you know, that era, BJ Penn, GSP. Gee, I remember when GSP was like a new kid coming up and I thought, he's going to be pretty good. Yeah, I remember that but too. Dude, forget oh. about the Connors, the Rondas, the everybody, you, man, like... <laughs> Boy, and that's what I'm saying is, yes, I was in the right place at the right time. Yes, I, I was very lucky for the show, for everything. Um, but you know what they say about luck, right? Luck is when opportunity meets preparation and hard work. And, and I did, you know, I, I worked hard. I wasn't always prepared, but I did the best I could. And that's some of the reason, you know, why I got lucky. The T-shirt says, the harder I work, the luckier I get it. Yeah, the luckier I get, right? And that's kind of been my motto throughout life well well Forrest one, one last question because you, you've been through several iterations of the UFC um do you guys miss Lorenzo Fertitta um I mean I miss him personally just because I, I kind of knew him from the way back and uh you know whatnot but I mean it's just different right you have to yeah. stay from every standpoint um I mean you know I, I think Endeavor, IMG, WME, whatever they are, I think that's what you need to get you to, that's what the UFC needs to get them to the next level internationally in this global market with all, you know, the, the way to fame, the way to people's hearts and pocketbooks has changed and it will continue yeah. to change. And a company like Endeavor, their business is knowing which way those trends are going to go. Boris, you're the man, brother. Like hey, every answer, hey. I'm telling you, you're the white Miyagi now. All right. Yeah. Who is the guy? You know who I kind of a very poor man's version of Yogi Berra. I know him for his quotes. <laughs> he was a umpire, a catcher, right? Baseball catcher. Yep. Yep. He, oh yeah, there was uh, Yogi Berra. You know what, dude? That's a great comparison because he's a modest guy, and he was a hell of a competitor. Ah. Uh. It was, it was Yogi Bear, that's for sure. If you get to a fork in the road, pick it up and use it, right? Yeah. <laughs> genius. That's genius. All right, guys. Uh, Thank you much, man. I appreciate it. All right. It. Thank you, Thanks brother. so much, Forrest. Right. Talk to you later, man. Uh, yeah, that, there, there's a legend right there. Let's talk about True Classic Tees. Oh, man. Super excited about a new sponsor for our show, bro. Mm. Style is changing, and the T-shirt is in. 
Finally, finally, I win, I win. Dude, true classic tees are my favorite. It's based in LA and a t-shirt company that's on the rise. That's right, baby. Soft t-shirts, they hold up in the wash and they're incredibly versatile. Yeah, you can wear them out, you can wear them to work out, or around the house, which by the way, as you know, we're pretty much in the house these days. <laughs> Pessimistic, but true. But the best part, dude, they're incredibly cheap. Only 15 bucks. And you can get them now for even less. Tell them how, Mike. Go to trueclassictees.com. Use a code at checkout, B-L-E-A-V, for 20% off. That's believe, B-L-E-A-V, at trueclassictees.com. I'm already there, brother. This is the Believe in MMA Mavericks podcast. Dude. Modest. It's hard to like crack it to like a to another level. He'll never throw anybody under a bus. He'll never put himself on the pedestal. He is he is modest, humble, and just a hell of a competitor. You know, like you said, he he he's a legend. He's 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 a Hall of Famer. Easily, easily for many reasons, dude. Not only being a champion, well, no, but that he fight. is he is in the Hall. He is in UFC Hall of Fame. Okay, good. I haven't. Uh, the you the Hall of Fame is so like I still I still haven't like digested it yet because it's so new. Give it like 10, 15, 20 years, then I'll I'll know everybody in it. But it's like it's still brand new. But dude, Forrest, he's in there for many reasons. Many, many I, reasons. I kind of wish I wish there was a physical location for the UFC Hall of Fame. There isn't? No. Damn. They should do it maybe. Yeah, it's gotta be in Vegas, I guess, right? Well, yeah, for sure. Uh all right, I, well, I, you know, I can, I could talk to Forrest Griffin all fucking week, man. That guy's awesome. That's that's the unfortunate part about seeing him in some interviews, man. It's like a lot of people don't get his style. Like he's not gonna say anything that's, like, yeah, I was busting his balls about trying to get like, oh, what do we see in the PI or give me a prediction on Jones DC. But, dude, he's a cool cucumber. He's not, he's not selfish. He's just, dude, he's mellowed. He's mellowed a lot because. When I interviewed him during his fight career, he was always curt with me. He was always short, very short. Um, I used to fear interviewing him during his fight career because he was just such a dick to me all the time. I don't know if he just didn't like me or he didn't like Fox. I don't know what it was. Uh, and then one day at the at the Fan Expo in Boston, I was going up an elevator, uh, up an escalator. He was coming down the escalator, and he looks at me and he goes, "Straka." Thanks, man. You helped me move a lot of books because I, I had him on uh, Fox and Friends and I had him on Fox News Channel. And I was like, wow, that's the nicest thing Forrest Griffin's ever said to me. <laughs> so he obviously, I'm sure he enjoys it in the moment, but it's just maybe it's just he doesn't, maybe he's been burned in the past or he has a, like a stereotypical mindset about what the media is because Stipe Mitch is the same thing, man. He's been very short with the media. If you hear him with uh, the top reporters, he's short. He's straightforward and he wants to put down the phone and hang up already. Like, so just some people, they, they think well, they see yeah, what and, it and, is. And he's, Stipe is very difficult to understand because he talks so fast yeah. and he's nervous when he talks. Yes. yes. And it's he's sad so because it's like, yeah. it's like these guys, are, they're, I think all the champions are like, they're the smartest guys in the sport because I think there's so many athletes out there. Everybody could do bench presses, can dunk a basketball, can kick through a brick wall, but it's like, who puts it together mentally? And Stipe and Forrest, they're obviously not stupid. We're seeing how Forrest has progressed. And, dude, I, I respect him tenfold now seeing his post-fight career flourish. I think the same will be with Stipe Miocic. People will understand and learn more about him when he's done fighting. Well, and the funny, the interesting, the real interesting thing about Stipe is he got a full, he's got a full-time job as an EMT. Yeah, uh, firefighter, firefighter. Yeah, he's a firefighter, but he's he's an EMT. He's not a firefighter. Oh, is that what is that the same? Yeah. Um, no, he works for the fire department, but he's an EMT. Okay, okay. So he 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 drives in the ambulance. Gotcha. Um, and but but he, how how can somebody be a fucking UFC champion in the heavyweight division, and have a full time job? Because he's amazing, and people underestimate him, and like he hasn't gotten the respect he has. Like seeing him on the Modelo commercial, like he got the respect he had after he beat Francis Ngannou. And it's like, he, I agree with Joe Rogan, man. He probably is the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. And people, they're going to understand later when they, where there's a 30 for 30 or there's some sort of documentary on his career or life. When he fought Ngannou, man, I, re I remember I was in, I was in St. Louis watching that fight. I was in a B-dubs. Yeah. And uh, 
people were fearing for <laughs> Steep A's life. <laughs> They're like, look at that guy. He's going to kill that poor white guy. And then fucking Steep A kicked the shit Dude, out of him. Dude, I was in the arena, TD Garden, Boston, uh, oh, UFC 220, man. The oohs and the ahs with every single strike that Francis and Ghana threw. I've never seen anything like it. Like, we thought it was the funeral of Steep A Miocic. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was scary. And they, after that press conference, I don't know if it was because of all the pain medication, because he did get tagged and he's weathered that storm completely. He was angered by the media and he goes, Are, do you guys respect me now? He goes, uh, he goes, what do I got to do? He goes, I just beat Dana White's boy. And it was like, wow, it's like that, that's the most I've ever seen him express himself. And he got his due. And then quickly the carpet was pulled out with the DC fight. And then he regained it with the DC fight, does the Irish jig. And now uh, I hope they do the trilogy. All right, man. Another good show in the books. Uh, until next week. Enjoy quarantine. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.